Legend veterans and everyone who's ready to change their lives. Welcome to the Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. Join your host, Marine Corps trained motivator, Christina Silva, as she connects with experts, innovators, and military heroes. Now, let's get started. Here is Christina Silva. Yeah. Every week, Educating Our Veterans Live is such an honor, and this time we promise you creative resiliency solutions from over 30 years of expertise. You'll be amazed by the highlights of 30 years of U.S. Naval Service excellence and the way to football halls of fame. Our legend today is an all-American hero, and he's created history even to date. Let us welcome Jeffrey Kendall Sapp to the Christina Silva Show. <laughs> Captain, United States Navy retired. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Christina. It's, uh, I'm humbled and honored to be here, and I really salute you for what you are doing and have done for our veterans and will do in the future. So thank you very much. It is a pleasure and a calling. And I say a calling because when we address the world of our veterans and of our active duty military mates, we have a responsibility socially, economically, and certainly a corporate responsibility to give back by educating them through a portal into our real lives. The transition is real. And so today, we want to thank you for giving of yourself of highlights from your extraordinary career. And as you are a motivational speaker and a leader, we want to talk about strategy of getting to the next level. And so what I've done over 25 years is I've mastered three different areas in real estate business and also consulting, events production, multimedia, wow. and created a charity to give back to the troops. Now, we're small, but uh -huh. somehow small concentrations can make a big difference. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, positively. And that you take the time to do this. Uh, is is amazing because someone with your qualifications, you can go off and be doing something different without giving back to the community. But I bless you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, mm -hmm. Captain Sapp. We always mm -hmm. have to salute without mm -hmm. our covers, our officers mm -hmm. of our armed forces that come onto the show. So I render you a salute as a U.S. Marine. And I say, <laughs> I, sir. Okay, well, thank you so much. And I will give you a nod back since I'm not covered. I can't salute back. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is so much fun to get into your career because you grew up with large dreams, but with an underweight stature, according to many, on the football field. And when you joined the United States Naval Academy, you say in some of the research I've conducted that you didn't imagine you'd stay in our United States Navy for 30 years. Let's start with some of your background how you grew up, and a little bit about your core. Okay, that's pretty easy. I'm, uh, my daddy was an Army guy, uh, a, a warrant officer, born in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, uh, of course, I traveled around. I'm an Army brat. And uh, it's a funny, just on the side, when we played Army-Navy, one of the uh, headlines said, Navy depends on Army brat to win the game. And they're talking about me, <laughs> interestingly enough. But yeah, I was born and raised, uh, uh, spent some time traveling with my family, ended up in Colorado Springs. And for the last, gosh, uh, right up to the Naval Academy, I, I've been living there, having a wonderful time and learning from my brothers, learning from my father, my sister, and also my mother. We'll talk about that later on. But uh, uh, I received a ton of support and a lot of inspiration. And that's the only reason I am where I am now. Uh, I got in the Navy. Um, I missed the memo that said it's time to get out. And actually, mm -hmm. as, as I got down the line, I, I decided it'd be pretty cool to command a warship. And so I hung around for that. I got early command of a minesweeper, and then I actually did five of them. And then I hung around some more and got command of a destroyer. And that is the ultimate as far as I go. Taking captain, commanding a warship, and my work here is done. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Such words that are minuscule compared to what you've accomplished on your awesome resume. Wow, the United States Navy. Did you ever look at any other branch knowing your daddy was in the Army? Yes, we did. Uh, he wanted one of his sons to go to a service academy. He wanted one of his sons to be an officer. So I have two male siblings. Robert, the oldest, went off to Vietnam. He's off the table. Arthur, the second oldest, went off to the FBI. He's off the table. 
And then you get down to Jeffrey, and I had like 60 letters of intent for scholarships, mostly for wrestling or for football. So I wasn't worried about going anywhere. My dad had a different agenda. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, I like to say, he decided and I agreed <laughs> to go to the Naval Academy. And there's a long story with that, but that's the long and short of it. Wow. Well, you played football and we're going to use that analogy throughout the show about the game of life as well, because you are distinguished as becoming one of the first African-Americans in the Naval Academy history to be elected co-captain of the varsity football team for the Navy. And that is a big and tall order. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. physical, mental, social and spiritual Mm -hmm. goals you had to set in order to lead the team to unprecedented Mm -hmm. victories. You know, the the biggest thing that I needed to do was believe in myself. Uh, When you go off from, I'm a high school student, I go into the Naval Academy, and all of a sudden it's very regimented. Uh, They tell you when to sleep, when to eat, when to get up, when to TT, the whole nine yards, and it wasn't fun. And to be honest with you, I tried to quit on, well, I thought about quitting on three different occasions. My father pointed out something, and this gets to being an African-American in a predominantly white university, which is pretty much the Naval Academy, that from, I think, 1808 to 1946, they had no Blacks at the Naval Academy. And then they had a guy named Wes Brown that uh, was appointed, uh, got in there, graduated in class of 46. So as I did some research and looked at it, I I, I decided how many Blacks are actually there. And in 1973 is when I would have entered. At that time, they had 12 Blacks in the brigade of midshipmen, that's about, a th- you know, 5,000 or so uh, men. Then in the class, in 72, they had 12, and in 73, they had three. So my dad's message to me was, you need to get in there and help make a difference. And part of the reason I'm so proud of being elected captain and doing well uh, as far as uh, uh, football and, and, and making All-American is that we, that gave me a uh, national stage where kids, much like me, didn't have a clue. I couldn't spell Annapolis, didn't have a clue about it. And they could say, hey, I saw this guy on TV. And as God is my witness, I have letters in my basement from kids or now they're officers that wrote me thanking me for what I did. And all I did was play football (laughs) and motivate them. Most definitely. Well, not only Naval Academy history, which is a great and wonderful accomplishment, there's another Colorado Springs Sports Hall of Fame. And in 2009, another national fan base voted you as being one of the best defensive linemen, nose guard and lineman at only 5'11 and 203 pounds, which sounds huge to me. But on the football (laughs) field, facing your opponents, you said self-confidence. What else did you muster on the field? You know what, it's, it's, it, it, here's where my older brother Robert comes into play and my second oldest brother Arthur came into play. Robert did football and wrestling. And so when I was in junior high school, it was a natural to go out for football and wrestling. My brother Arthur did uh, diving and gymnastics. Well, the junior high school didn't have a you know swimming pool, but I could do gymnastics. So I did football, wrestling, gymnastics, and track. And that gave me... Uh, I guess I would say the dexterity, the balance, the moves to play football at my weight. And here's the analogy. If you take a a Volkswagen and put it on the road and let a semi-truck run flat into it, it's going to demolish it. And these guys I played with like 50, 60 pounds heavier, the centers with it. But if I can step around that little son of a gun before he gets off the ball, hey, I can make the tackle, I can make the sack. And consequently, during my senior year, I think I averaged 13.5 tackles a game. And that is because I was quick and I was getting off the ball. Make no mistake, though, when they hit me, they hit me hard. And I saw white lightning at the time. But other than that, I think I did okay. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. Double digits on the tackles almost Mm -hmm. every game. And celebrate with us one of the largest wins in history that you played that you would like to remember and talk about some of the coaches and teammates that influenced you over the years in football. Well, let me start with the teammates and all that. And well, first, the the largest game that we played, we played University of Pitt. Pitt with Tony Dorsett, 
he was uh, up for the Heisman and all that. And we were going in there, I think the week before he had like mm, four touchdowns against Army. And, and of course, they have Navy coming in and they're going to wipe us up. So uh, we got to the stadium. Uh, people didn't like us. They said some bad things about us. Uh, we got on the football field. And next thing you know, we won the game 17 to zip. That's the game. That was my coming out party where I got 17 tackles. Dorset got about, I think, the first half, maybe 33 yards. Uh, and that's being generous with it. Now, the reason I did that is because to my right and to my left, I had these huge guards that would distract the other guys so I can get around the center a lot quicker. And so it wasn't all on me. And I had a coach that, that uh, <laughs> he didn't tolerate mediocrity. Uh, he made sure that I was giving my best with it. And if not, I don't care if I was an All-American candidate or not. He had a piece of me. And that coaching, that inspiration, that guidance, that slow down, take a deep breath. You can do this. All that came together. And then you put that with everyone on the team acting that way, because most of the guys on the team I played with in my junior year were all seniors. They would call me Jeffy, little Jeffy, because I was so small and I had to look up to them. But they took care of me. Uh, they took care of their other teammates. And, you know, that's uh, I think that year we lost four out of seven. Out, we had seven games. We won four. We lost and two of those four by one point. To my, to I think to uh, Washington and to Georgia Tech. So the rest was history. <laughs> the rest is certainly history in mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. a very humble way. You're able mm-hmm. to listen to mm-hmm. historic accomplishments as I share mm-hmm. with the audience a little about Jeffrey Kendall Sapp, Captain of the United <laughs> States Navy, retired. It's awesome uh, that I can sit here as the host and, and point out great highlights to let the audience know they can follow mm-hmm. a trail of history with your accomplishments on the internet. You've got mm-hmm. an amazing array of YouTube videos that show NCAA promotion films called Saturday mm-hmm. Heroes. How yeah. was it with ABC Sports and George Welsh? Oh, that was outstanding. George Welsh was a no-nonsense coach and, and, and he definitely uh, inspired me to, to, to be my best. And he's a very smart guy too, but he also let his assistant coaches kind of run things. In my case, the defensive line coach uh, managed me. And uh, anytime I, 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 I would, if I did something wrong, I looked to the sideline and I'd look at Welch. And if he was looking at me, I know I was in for it. What, one a neat little story about him. Uh, and this goes into when I do motivational speaking, always be prepared. We're talking Army, Navy. My first Army, Navy, I think I was a, a, a freshman, a junior, a freshman. Uh, he looked around on the sideline and he was going to put me in the game. He looked down at my shoelaces and they were undone. He goes, Sap, get out of here. Uh, and so I blew my chance to go play Army, Navy, at least for that quarter, because he was not a happy camper. But that taught me a lesson. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you think, always be prepared. Don't sit back and just relax. And there's a time for that. But when you're in the game, it's game time. But Welsh, to sum it up, was a great coach. Uh, Really great coach. I really enjoyed working for him. Incredible. Incredible. Mm -hmm. So you joined the Navy. We've got to talk about boot camp on every show. Mm -hmm. Some of Mm -hmm. the shocks to your system and culture shock that you may have experienced when you left Colorado Springs to go Mm -hmm. to the Naval Academy boot camp. (laughs) Boot camp. Well, at the Naval Academy, they call it plebe summer. And what that is designed to do is to take snotty nosed little kids from high school or hot shots that think they're the big daddy rabbit and, and, and put them into an environment that they're going to teach them first, indoctrinate them to the Navy and to the military way. And secondly, I like to say, take away all your God-given rights and give them back as privileges. Tell you when they go to sleep, when they get up, what to eat, and the physical fitness and everything else is going. So during that plebe summer, you learn the march, you learn what they call rates, understanding certain aspects about the Navy. And they, they drill you uh, with what you learn. And at a drop of a hat, the upperclassmen can walk up and say, Sap, who's, who's the officer of the deck? And I got to respond. And if I don't, eh, extra duty, marching with the rifle. 
uh, like five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no yes, fun. Yes. But but the boot camp there, uh, the one thing the boot camp or or the previous summer taught me was camaraderie. And see, you see, I cheated because all my coaches taught me commitment, dedication, positive attitude, and teamwork. And so for me to work with the other men in my company was a piece of cake and me to support them. And when they supported me, I really appreciate it. And I think that's how a lot of us got through. It was a mutually supportive environment. Uh, but yeah, boot camp, yeah, exciting. How many years do you think you spent abroad on ship out of 30 years total? Oh, that's easy. I spent uh, 12 years. Oh 12 God. years uh, underway, but that uh, I got up to 11 and I wanted to keep going. Uh, but that was after I had my, my, my destroyer. And it's like, okay, no, you got to come ashore, young man. You can't have all the fun out there. <laughs> yes. And that's interesting that of, of all the five ships, you may still have a favorite, even though commanding the destroyer was the ultimate. Share with us mm-hmm. your favorite ship and why. Yeah, actually, the... Uh, Boy, that's a double-edged sword. The first, the minesweeper. Here, here's the thing. Minesweepers helped me grow up quickly. Now, you think about it. Instead of driving a mahogany desk and rolling ashore after my seat door, I went back to sea as commanding officer of a minesweeper. And here's the catch. When you're out there, you are it. You can't turn to someone and say, what do I do? How do I do it? And here's the other catch. You get involved in situations, in our case, looking for mines, yeah. things that blow you up in a wooden ship with 72 men on board with it. And so you've got to you got to get yourself real smart, real quick. And you also got to make sure you're taking care of your crew. Let's face it. I sit before you today, a retired captain, not because of what Jeffrey did, but what my crew allowed me to do and how they took care of me. And I like to think that I took care of them. But for that reason, the Minesweeper, kind of intimate, kind of fun place to be. But if you really want to have fun, a destroyer with, you know, they has four gas turbines on it, like the same things you see sitting on the wings of a 747. Those are the engines we have adapted for, you know, for, for the water. And that is a rush to be in command of something like that. And it's even more of a rush to train your young officers to drive a ship like that. And if necessary, fight it when wartime comes. So, like I say, it's kind of like a double edge. I like the minesweeper was cute, but the real, the real fun was that destroyer. Yes. How about a day in the life of Captain Jeffrey Kendall Sapp? What happens on the ship day to day for all of our listeners that may not be familiar with the ship's daily regiment? Yeah, daily routine. But see, I get up at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and I take a nap. No. What, what happens is in the morning, my executive officer, my number two, comes down and we sit down in my cabin and we talk about what's going on. Uh, he doesn't ask my advice. Uh, it's kind of like command through negation. If I don't like what he's saying, then I'll say, listen, have you thought about this or thought about that? Which is something I learned, by the way, in my time. The best way to get people to do something is to give them the idea and let them give it back to you as their idea. And then they think that you think that I know that you know that it's your idea. It's convoluted, but it works. So, so with that, you know, we, we always get orders coming in, uh, certain places we need to be. And my biggest thing when I had command was, 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 was drilling, doing exercises uh, for fires, uh, for flooding, and then also for taking on the bad guys. Because if you don't continue to push the envelope, and try to raise the level of competence, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in the middle of a gunfight with a knife. So we, we had a lot of drills, uh, a lot of uh, scenarios thrown at us where we're the good guys with the bad guys, and we would drill with that. Other than that, we would just go wherever we were told to go and do whatever we were told to do. And as CEO, I had to make sure we did it in the right way possible. Yes, thank you for sharing some of the most gorgeous places you may have sailed and some of the unfavorite places you may have sailed mm. with your comrades. Would you like mm. to share? Sure. Babera, Africa is one place we went to, which I've never been to before. And it was really interesting to see at that time, the first time I saw a different culture with it. And that was really exciting. Going to Thailand, ooh, going to the Temple of the Golden Buddha, uh, learning again a different culture, uh, a different way of living. 
and and really understanding, starting to understand the religion. That was really fun. Australia, uh, going down to the Down Under, that was a lot of fun. That was the most hospitable uh, port that I can ever remember being in. They were really nice people and very kind, and they loved the United States Navy. And then, of course, there's always the Philippines and Hawaii and things like that, which is not so exotic, but uh, they're nice places to go. Uh, other than that, I don't know if I really went to many other places that I, I really can talk about on air. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, some of the amazing roles that you've held during and after service include all leadership roles. Would you like to highlight some of the ways that you've led in different positions, such as being with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, U.S. National uh, Geospatial Intelligence Agency, Mm -hmm. um, even from being the Executive Director of Serving Our Willing Warriors, so many highlights of your accomplishments that you can reach back working with the Saudi Mm -hmm. nationals and U.S. employees. How did you wear different hats and merge in you know the biggest thing i found is 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 when you're around other people and you're supporting or serving them like i was for the chairman of the joint chief of staff you got to shut up you got to listen and i say shut up in a nice way you got to calm yourself and you realize you don't have all the answers and at certain levels things get done the way you probably wouldn't want to see them get done but you got to understand the hierarchy and the pecking order there i'm there to serve this you know, this chairman, I'm there to serve as executive director of Serve Our Well and Warriors. And the best way for me to learn and how to do that and also to gather followers is to listen to them. And make no mistake, there's hearing and there's listening. And people, a lot of time, they think they're listening, but but really, they're, they're just hearing. If you took a deep breath and held it, you probably can hear the air conditioner in your room. You heard it originally, but you weren't listening, processing it, interpreting it, evaluating it. And a lot of people, when they get into conversations, they hear, but they don't listen. And that's where I think a lot of misunderstandings come into play. The uh, National Geospatial Intelligence, that's when I started advising senior leadership on recommendations on things to do. I did a thing for the Small Business Administration headquarters. That was a lot of fun doing that. And again, it was the ability to listen, hear their needs, and then process it, and then give it back to them in a way that they could understand and raise the bar. Something interesting with mm. your congenial personality and your large smile, mm. but your serious mm-hmm. nature of leading has to do with reaching back, serving as the Bureau of Naval Personnel's Deputy Director. Mm-hmm. That was great. The uh, it, it was for personal plans and policy, enlisted personal plans and policies. And basically, in that office, the admiral was in charge of all those policies, retirements, uh, bonuses, and and whatnot. And I got to that job because part of my uh, subspecialty is manpower personnel training analysis. And they kind of threw me into that. And I thought, oh, man, this is really going to be bad. But I learned so much there. And I can honestly say we're able to, you know, out of uh, God, how many thousands of sailors we have, we're able to take care of them for your bonuses, take care of their families, and adjust the plans and policies to expand the Navy or, control, or, or, or shrink the Navy based on where we were with it. But that was an interesting job working up, up there across from the Pentagon. Oh, exceptional. In combination with that, serving as the deputy director of the Academy's Athletic Association, all of those roles combined make you such a good leader and role model to our youth because we need to recruit more individuals to consider the Navy as a career and also to learn about discipline. Let's talk about discipline. Okay. Sure, sure. You're going to talk to me about discipline? (laughs) That's a joke. No, the the one thing, again... uh, what I learned when you talk about discipline, it's always easy to feel sorry for yourself. Trust me, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. It's always easy to say, I want to quit and go away. And like I think I mentioned, I tried to quit the academy three different times. My father convinced me that that wasn't the thing to do and hang around and see if I can make some history, which fortunately we did. The discipline part of it is, 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 is teaching yourself calm yourself to take a deep breath and think through things. 
where discipline falls off the rails a lot of time is that you say something and I'm just itching to get back at and say it to you, or you want me to do something and I want to push back without without thinking about it. And one of the things that helped me for discipline, by the way, was when we're in conversation, when you finish talking, you got to try this. When you finish talking, don't say anything for what, about 30 seconds. Just look at the person and they feel uncomfortable and they start to talk. And then when they get done talking, just look at them. And that helps fight the urge of trying to be right, trying to get your point in, goes right back to listening. That I'm not, you know, if I'm trying to get up my next point when you're talking, I'm not listening. But that discipline part of it, I got it through football, I got it through wrestling, I got it through track, I got it through gymnastics at the Naval Academy, I got it through mm, people telling me what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, because that's part of the Navy as they built me back up to be a potential officer who would lead people into battle. Thank you so much for sharing on this first segment with Jeffrey Kendall Sapp, our United States Navy Captain Retired, MS and double MA. Education is key, and we're educating our veterans live with highlights from his career. When we come back, we're going to learn more about motivational speaking to which audiences and why, and we're going to learn a little bit more about Jeffrey's future goals on The Christina Silva Show, and we'll be right back with more. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Paco's Tacos and Grill is conveniently located adjacent to the Strip in Nellis Air Force Base. Paco's Tacos and Grill's specialties are in catering for your next event. Choose Paco's Tacos and Grill at 3438 East Sahara Avenue, Suite 185 in Las Vegas. Burritos, tacos, platters, and more. Ask for Paco and dial 702-654-3193. That's 702-654-3193. Join our call to action and meet CRS, your host of the Christina Silva Show. Educating our veterans live is a community responsibility, and we'd like to thank our sponsors for their dedication and compassion for U.S. military troops and their families. Educating our veterans live with CRS, the founder of Cami's Two Civvies, mental health awareness, housing, employment, and higher education resources to the forefront. Tune in to the Christina Silva Show on the Voice America Variety Channel. We transform, adapt, and overcome from Cam- Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to The Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. If you'd like to call in during our live show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. For more information about the show, email crsprods at gmail.com. That's crsprods at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. What a wonderful time to thank Jeffrey Kendall Sapp for making African-American, all-American history at the Naval Academy as he was elected co-captain of the Navy's varsity football team. Now, you know I love my Marine Corps and my Air Force, and I love my Army. Hua Kendall Sapp was on the field. Navy won Army at the Armed Forces Bowl. And so we're back to talk about the importance of higher education, three master's degrees. How did you do it? being an officer in the Navy, and also being an athlete, studying for those mm-hmm. degrees over the years? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually uh, got my master's degrees after I was commissioned and uh, went to the Naval Postgraduate School. And at that time, they had a dual program with Salva Regina University that you can, if you want additional punishment, you can go for a master's there too. Uh, that was one of the best decisions and one of the worst decisions I made because they worked you to death. And imagine going to postgraduate school all day and then at night, three times a week, 
going to Salve Regina and writing papers and doing tests on that. But, but I pursued education because I was the first in my family to go to college. Uh, my, my, uh, my brothers have since, you know, gone, but I was the first. And I saw the value that if you had a degree or you were educated, you can think more clearly. And that's what I was looking for through the education. Also, the diversity of learning, learning different styles and how to be around different people and basically how to succeed. So those took care of the two, you know, two, two of the, uh, two of the uh, degrees. The Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California was where I got my third, went out there. And I did that after I rolled ashore because I uh, wanted a break as a lieutenant. And they said, okay, you're not the smartest cookie in the bunch, but you know what? We're going to give you a shot. And again, they worked you to death, but you earned that degree. And that has really helped me as far as management, as far as manpower, as far as leadership, too. Uh, I did courses I didn't like, like economics. <laughs> but you know what? I use that, what I learned back then, today. And if you look behind my library, I have books still from the Naval Postgraduate School and from my master's programs because I still refer to them. Education is king, I tell you. Education is king. Most definitely. In addition to your studies in management science, international relations, and national security, with strategic studies, there is still a calling upon your life to motivate and inspire others. But it is also important for our show to inspire others to gain their benefits and to obtain new benefits that they have earned. And I want to know Mm. if you used your VA benefits there. Uh, uh, How's the weather? Uh, Yeah, 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 that's. You know what? I, I am I am ashamed to say that despite my brothers pushing me and, you know, I always find an excuse not to apply. And at first it was, well, I'm never going to need your benefits. I'm healthy and, and, and it's, it's silly. So if you're engaged in that, talk to me. Talk to me, please. Most definitely. Well, the VA.gov is a computerized plethora of so many programs. Uh-huh. It can be overwhelming, but you happen uh-huh. to be talking to a DAV chapter service officer, and I'm so thankful to the DAV because they helped me as a disabled American veteran obtain and maximize all of my benefits in the areas of housing, health, employment, and education. I have wow. the DAV. For a stint mm-hmm. as a volunteer is a deputy mm-hmm. chief of staff, much like yourself. And I uh-huh. learned by listening and following the guidance of leadership in the Department of California about how to help others get their benefits. So it's as easy uh-huh. as that ramp. I'll help mm-hmm. you go online. To oh, okay. <laughs> your ebenefits.va.gov profile. Ebenefits. Ah, yeah, I'm writing this down here. E-benefits. taking notes there, Ben. So oh, oh, yeah. Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and Space Force, you're currently earning benefits each and every day you serve. And if you have served in any era, the DAV is a free service that does help veterans access their benefits to the tune of the most cases of any claim service office around. Thank you, DAV.org. Well, moving on to the best part of you, I've watched you inspire corporate audiences with your interpersonal skills and your knowledge and your stature. And I've also seen videos of you inspiring young men and young women in schools in the nation. What would you say about your motivational speaking and what actually helped you to create that talent, bud in it and create it into a business to change the lives of others, young and old? You know, it's interesting fact that when I made All-American, a lot of people got interested in hearing me talk. And I uh, had the pleasure or displeasure to be at events with like NFL players, basketball players. And the one thing that I found that was going on was that the, the underlying story was, uh, I'm a good guy because I stopped beating my wife. Or I went to jail, but now I'm back making all this money. And the kids were just listening and get, sticking it all in. And I thought, you know what? I don't think I need to go to jail or to do something bad in order to be uh, to motivate the kids. I also learned that a lot of people get up there and they go, okay, boys and girls, 
Today, we're going to talk about motivation. Can you say motivation? And see, that ain't Jeffrey style. Man, I'm all over the place. I'm off the stage, and I want to engage them. And I find that when you inspire them to listen, and you engage them, and you act like you don't have all the answers, you know what? They learn something. And that type of mindset is what motivated me to get into motivational speaking. I was doing it for free, and I still give a lot to the schools and all. But I said, you know what, uh, I can do uh, corporations and take what I've learned, what in this case, we, we may talk about it, my SOAR model, or like you say, the, the, the five, you know, uh, keys to, uh, to success, uh, and share that with people. And unlike other speakers I've seen or some, I'm not there to sell my book in the back of the room. I'm not there to say, yeah, you got to do it this way. Go out there and be better. Without telling you, here's the formula to be better. I give you the formula. I give you how to use it. I help you tailor it to your setting and then run with it. And then hopefully you give it to somebody else and somebody else. And that's how we start to help each other climb up that ladder. This is amazing. Well, the Washington Post, I must agree, says that SAP has one of those infectious personalities that can uh-huh. adapt to any situation. Would you say that your military career also inspires the way that you deliver your speeches? Yes and no. It does in the sense that uh, I will take charge of the situation. I will take charge of that stage. But I don't take charge like beating my chest and saying, you will follow and you will salute and do that. Uh, there's one of the films that we had where a kid got on stage and he broke out his cell phone and started taking pictures of me on stage. And I've seen folks before say, now, young man, put that away. You know, no, roll with it. And guess what? Not only did I capture his interest, but the rest of the folks in there. But uh, yeah, my military training did help, but I don't flaunt it. I never have. You must be so proud of how many you've inspired to go to college as far as our youth. There's so much out there. We talked about discipline, family, humility, and the decision to follow your instructions about successful motivation steps. Share with us some of the success stories that you remember that you've inspired youth that you would like to share with the audience. Uh, one, I went to the Naval, uh, to the, uh, Naval, Pre- Naval Academy Preparatory School in Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, they brought me in to kind of talk to the, you know, talk to the cadets uh, and actually start bringing me back again and again and again. I, before I retired around 2005, I met a guy who was the aide de camp or the senior aide to the, to the, uh, to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as was I. And I met another guy that was an aide to the chief of naval operations. Both of them said, that I inspired them when they were at NAPS, Naval Academy Preparatory School. And that made me feel really, really good. Uh, And down in my basement, I have letters from some kids, and I also have some voicemails that I'm proud of that said, I did not know, in this case, if they're African-American, I did not know if you're a Black if you can go to the Naval Academy. But I saw you on TV, I saw you on football, and then I started checking it out. And next thing you know, they're graduating. And I got, I give you five names right now if you want to know who they are. So that's the things that I'm very proud of is inspiring people to be their very best. Thank you, Mr. Sapp. We're talking with Jeffrey Kendall Sapp. I love to repeat that name because I learned so much about your background. And one of the most wonderful things that I'm going to take with me as a takeaway, which is important for our audience as well, is the five universal laws your way, starting with helping others. Let's talk about helping others. Why does that give us value? Because it gives us value in the sense that, first of all, let's be clear, none of us got to where we are without the help of others. And what we need to do and what I preach is you need to reach back and, you know, the song, if I can help someone along the way, if I can help them if they're traveling wrong, my, my living would not be in vain. You've got to have that type of mentality to reach back and help others along the way. When you do that, the universe will always repay you. In, in you know in aces back with it so helping others is is that's got to be a main theme if you are conceited or if you uh want it all for yourself you probably won't reach back and help people and that's fine uh because somebody else will 
But the key there is reaching back and helping others along the way. My favorite lesson of the five that I listen to is agreeing to disagree with others. <laughs> There's a reasoning behind it. Share more. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I call it a learning curve with it. You know, when I say something, uh, you know, I always want you to agree. Let's, let's be honest. I want you to agree. Uh, but you know what? I don't care if you disagree. The key is whether you agree or disagree, I challenge you to say, do, carry out, act it, perform it better. And saying, okay, Sap, you're talking about the five universal laws of success. I think there's six universal laws of success, and here's the reason why. And then I come back and say, you know what? I agree with you, but I don't like your sixth law because that's not a law. That's just a, a custom. And here's the reason why. And if you do that and understand what you do and why you do it, it's called learning. A learning curve takes place, and you actually get something out of it. A lot of times I see people go, oh, he's full of stuff and nonsense. I'm not going to listen. Well, how would you say it better? That's, that's, that's my challenge to you. Or where did I screw up? Or where could I say it better? You know, learning takes place when you challenge yourself and you challenge yourself when you're forced to respond. In this case, respond good, bad, or indifferent, but at least respond. Well, America, the Hall of Famer, our nose guard and lineman still needs continuous improvement. What about that? Oh, yeah. Continuous improvement. <laughs> you know, uh, Eugene O'Neill said a man's work is in danger of deteriorating when he thinks he's found the one best way of doing it. If he thinks that, he's likely to feel that all he needs to do is merely go on repeating himself. So long as a man is searching for better ways of doing his work, his work is fairly safe. So what got me here today is insufficient to get me where I want to go tomorrow. I need to continuously improve. If I want to stagnate, fine. I don't need to worry about continuous improvement. Eugene O'Neill, hey, that's his thought. I don't need to do that. But my feel is that you never, never, never should be satisfied with your work nor your performance. Now, I'm not saying go out and beat yourself in the head because you didn't do as well as you wanted to, particularly if you don't do as well. But you go, how can I do it better? And how can I improve? And here's the, here's the kicker. Ask somebody else, what do you think? And then sit back and shut up. I mean, shut up, just be quiet and let them talk. A lot of times, no, 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 you don't understand. No, no, no. They do understand. And you get that different view on how to perform and how to increase your performance. The world opens up to you. I've seen it happen. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear. I forget. I mm -hmm. see. I remember. I do. I understand. There you go. Chinese proverb is it's, it's what I call getting into the pool. I can sit here and talk to you about swimming. I can show you swim, uh, videos about swimming. I can give you theories about swimming, about buoyancy, about breathing, about exercise and everything else. But until you get into the pool and start to try to swim, you truly won't understand. And that's that Chinese proverb about I do, I understand. A lot of us, we don't want to do. We want to see it. We want to hear it, but we don't want to do it. Take that analogy for swimming and apply it to a lot of things. If, if, if we get engaged and try to understand in the sense that we're doing it for ourselves, I think that you'll be, we would be much better. And the person that's trying to improve would be much better. But that's, that's the basis of that. Finally, we have to appreciate and find the best in others. We have to know about humor, beauty, and the goodness that people still have in today's world because changing lives makes the world a better place. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, I think, uh, gosh, I forget who, who wrote it, but basically to laugh often as much, to earn the respect of intelligent people and the appreciation of honest critics. Uh, and, and the poem goes on basically saying to find the best in others, uh, to leave the world a better place, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or redeemed social condition. To know that one life has breathed, breathed easier because you have existed, that is to have succeeded. And that is a philosophy that I like to think that I embody, you know, a sense of humor, uh, humility, uh, helping others along their way. Uh, making someone better than they think they could be. Those are pretty good attributes to have. And I'm proud to say that uh, I learned that over my years in the Navy and also, heck, as a civilian, uh, 
because it, it, it's, it's just true. It's true. So many great life lessons you've shared with us today. I would hope to know that you have time to relax and have other hobbies with your exceptional football background. What else do you do to truly center yourself and relax? You know, it's funny. I relax. I have a uh, chihuahua uh, (laughs) and I play with my chihuahua uh, and she is so she is so adorable. But the other thing I started to do as, as a hobby, I guess you can call it a hobby is cooking. I got into, I can cook a mean, mean ribeye. Then I got my own chili rub, my own blackening, the, you know, Cajun spices and the whole nine yards. And I can fry a mean fried chicken, chicken wing, you know. So learning to cook is kind of like how my life has been, is that I, I'm taking on new challenges. And going back to Eugene O'Neill, once I learn how to cook something, drives my wife crazy. Oh, no, don't change it. No, I want to change it and learn because I, it's going to be good or it's going to be better or it's going to be worse. But at least I've learned something from it. But those are my two hobbies. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, our leadership consultant and motivational speaker, Jeffrey Kendall Sapp, is here today giving us a creative mm-hmm. resiliency solution. And with over 30 years of service in a corporate realm and in the military, he is ready for an ambush of sorts, information mm-hmm. about a world history event I'm going to ask him about and get a professional opinion on what we can all do to remain hopeful where sometimes there may be a dismal effect upon us. And as a globe, I would like to ask the question about September when unemployment insurance is ending, unemployment is high, and there's going to be a world transition. Also, with other variants of this pandemic, what can we say to the world to give them that inertia to have a positive mentality, take control of the reins, even if something devastating is happening, what can we do in your opinion there? You know, no matter what you say, no matter how you say it, no matter when you say it, no matter where you are, you could be in a lot worse situation than you perceive to be. And don't feel sorry for yourself and don't try to answer everything by yourself. Understand you need to rely on other people and get their opinions and craft your own destiny. And the one thing about destiny, which I love, they say it's not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. It's a thing to be hoped for, not a thing to be hoped for, it's a thing to be achieved. And you need to figure out what you want to do given this environment and what your destiny is, and that becomes like a shining star on the horizon. You may not get there entirely, but you're headed in the right direction. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Figure out, you know, how you, how other people can help you. And then don't forget, reach back to help other people along their way, too. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. That is so very important. Thank you for sharing in such a transparent way about asking for help, remembering family values, being humble, being mm-hmm. disciplined, taking charge of your life, making new goals, writing it down, making it plain, reading, studying, educating yourself, mm-hmm. and claiming your benefits. The benefit of claim today? <laughs> yeah. I had to get that in. You know how I'm Navy. You had to go back there. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> we just want to thank you for listening to the Christina Silva Show. We hope that you are uplifted by the renowned career of Jeffrey Kendall Sapp from the football field to international motivational speaking stages. You can find out so much and have them come to your corporation or your school to uplift your audience. There's a lot to do. And with charitable accomplishments, there is an immediate reward of value, purpose, and necessity. And we're right. going to hear a little more in this closing statement from Mr. Sapp about Captain Retired U.S. Navy, about his dedication to the youth through charity. Oh, absolutely, positively. Uh, dedication, you look up the word, uh, And some of us, we say we're dedicated to it, but in reality, we are not. We're doing it for whatever reason. Uh, I absolutely positively would support and want to and can. And as long as I'm able and upright and God lets me see another day, you can count me in. 
Educating our veterans' lives is a community responsibility. We also have to remember where we came from and that tomorrow is a brighter day. No matter where you are at this moment, always know that the next moment is yours to control. And we want to address so many different things on the show, um, topics like depression. We were watching the Olympics. What did you think about mm. the new push on admitting mental health is a palatable topic? You know what uh, I think is great? At first, I was going, oh, man. But you know what? I was thinking for me, not, 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 not for the person that was saying, I can't take it anymore. And trust you me, I've been in situations where, you know, there's been a lot of pressure and all. Uh, so I go, well, just suck it up, buttercup. No. And they got to bring it to the forefront. And what's going on now, there's more celebrities coming out, sports figures coming out saying, you know, this, this is not good. And at least it's being addressed. And hopefully that will start a movement to really dig in and to make a change and to help people that are, are confronted with that. Most definitely. We have so many resources and so little time, but the VA is a central hub. That's va.gov for our military personnel and their families. You can reach out if you need help any time of the day to the VA crisis hotline at 1-800-273-8255. That's the VA crisis hotline, one 800 273-8255. And remember, on base, you've got the chaplain's office and the readiness centers of the world. This has been a wonderful show, and we want to thank Jeffy. Just kidding. Coming <laughs> 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 on the show and, and making leadership something that we can all attain, a higher education we can all reach. And we know that there will be another show. But first, we have to remember to give special thanks to Julian Sapp for this awesome oh. interview. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Julian, that little son of a gun. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Can I just add one other thing when I'm thinking about it? You talked about going forward with it. We're in the process of, of, of laying out our 2020 or tw uh, this 19, 2022 schedule uh, post-COVID and all. So if there's any folks that we can help uh, with a paycheck or without, I, I welcome them reaching out absolutely positively. Higher education is king and so is collaboration. And our CamisToCivies.org is based on navigating you to resources and also to bringing you the greatest experts that will motivate you in all phases of life. So stay tuned for more of the Christina Silva Show. We want to thank Jeffrey Kendall-Sapp, our special guest, and we'll <laughs> see you more on Voice America's Variety Channel in the future. Take care, be safe, and Semper Fidelis. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Christina Silva Show. Be sure to check back for new episodes every Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you soon and Semper Fi.